We acknowledge that we work on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that this land is stolen land and that sovereignty was never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders, past, present and emerging. And welcome to another episode of This Crown is on Fire. I'm your host, uh, Willissa, and today I'm running a bit of a solo episode after a bit of a week. There have been quite a few things that have happened in the media this week, so I thought that I would let you know all of my thoughts and feelings about these particular things, Uh, everything from hotel quarantine in Victoria all the way through to the Bachelor premiere for 2020. So I'm going to give you all of my thoughts, feelings and rants, and I'd love for you to share with me what thoughts and feelings you have about all of these issues as well. Don't forget that you can jump onto Instagram and find us on Instagram at This Crown is on Fire. Um, I'd love to see some DMs or some comments on the posts uh, talking about the things that you have found interesting about this episode or any of our previous episodes. Uh, First of all, I'm going to go through what has been on fire for me this week because I got caught out, guys. I uh, I shared some stuff on Instagram that I had seen on Twitter that had been separated from its original post and I got caught out. Um, I consider myself someone who is pretty politically active uh, and pretty politically nuanced and having a really good understanding of how things are and I still got... uh, suck it in by something that turned out to be satire. Uh, and so first of all, I want to apologize to anybody that shared my rage about uh, that particular issue. Let me explain. So it has turned out that uh, there was a lot of attack of uh, Victorian Premier Dan Andrews over what has been referred to as the bungled hotel quarantine process. So early in the piece, Uh, when all of Victoria's COVID-19 cases were returned travellers from overseas, what the government decided to do was to put those returned travellers, no matter where they'd come from or how well they were when they landed, into a hotel for 14 days, test them for COVID uh, so that we could uh, track and trace those particular cases. At one stage, uh, it... uh, left that hotel quarantine and started to spread within the community. And that's how we've gotten this sort of second wave situation that we're in at the moment. And it was reported uh, in a number of different media outlets, whether that be radio or newspaper or the whatnot, that the reason that that uh, virus got out was that security guards were behaving inappropriately with guests. So there was some discussion about security guards escorting quarantine guests to cafes or restaurants or 7-Elevens, even up until the point where they suggested that security guards were sleeping with quarantine guests during their stay. There was a lot of criticism of the government around the fact that they should have let the ADF do it, that it shouldn't have been trusted. 
a number of people came out and questioned the hiring practices of the quarantine security firms. Uh, and some of those concerns are pretty legitimate. But broadly, we have had a whole community of people that have been misrepresented and attacked and denigrated and their integrity are questioned. And as it turns out this week, Patient Zero from Quarantine Hotel was not a security guard, certainly not a security guard who was misappropriating his role and uh, using that role to elicit uh, sexual activity, uh, but rather the first patient was a night manager, a night manager who uh, had interactions with guests as they tried to provide them with the things that they needed overnight, extra pillows, extra blankets, food, whatnot, because there was less staff to assist them. And basically, it has come down to a, a concept of poor uh, protective practices uh, because night management at a hotel are not trained on infectious disease control. And whilst they were following what little training they did have, ultimately, if it's not something uh, that's in your niche skill set, uh, it's not a big surprise that it doesn't go 100%. So, uh, yeah, that's what the inquest has found. Uh, so, someone on Twitter then created a uh, retraction from the, the newspaper, The Herald Sun, uh, which suggested that they were admitting that they had made it up. Uh, that they had added uh, the security guard angle to make the story more interesting. Um, they had done that in quite a convincing way, uh, and I took that that uh, bait hook, line, and sinker. And ultimately, I still think that's what happened. I still think that the media made that up because it sounded more interesting. Uh, it sounded elicited. It gave a conservative media an angle with which to criticise a somewhat progressive government. I absolutely fell for it. And I just want to highlight, uh, not in any way to excuse my behaviour, I should definitely have double checked before I reposted that particular tweet, but it just is such a sad time that we are in a position where satire is so believable, that it's so hard to tell the difference between joke behaviour and like believable behaviour from organisations such as the Herald Sun or the Liberal Party. Someone started a parody account for uh, the MP Tim Smith this week and admittedly the first couple of times I saw it uh, I didn't notice that the M and the P were in the wrong order and I was a bit like goodness Tim's right off today uh, but ultimately it wasn't him and so yeah I, I think that uh, when you behave in such an outlandish way as the, the Herald Sun tends to and Tim Smith tends to, that when parody accounts arrive, it can be really difficult for the public to tell the difference between what's reality and what's not. And I imagine that organisations such as the uh, Batuta Advocate and the Shovel and places like that, the Onion, must have such a hard time coming up with outlandish enough stuff that people know is satire but still makes a point about behaviour when organisations like this behave in such a destructive way on their own. That is my apology and my own retraction. Certainly, I'm still horrified that uh, we spent so long demonising a premier and demonising a community of people uh, and ultimately that we might still attack that uh, poor, night, poor night manager and the staff at Ridges for work that they are just trying to do to keep our community safe. 
And I know how tempting it is to be angry and be frustrated uh, and want to vent that anger and that frustration somewhere because I think we've all felt it. For the teachers on the feed, we are halfway through term three. And I guess for my homeschooling mums and dads, we are halfway through term three. So it's all downhill from here as we make a run for the holidays. I know that the term one and the term two breaks were pretty much non-existent for people within my profession. And certainly we get a lot of downtime and I, I spend a lot of my holidays planning anyway, but it just felt a bit harder this year because there was so much uncertainty and so much double planning and uh, all those sorts of things. So I really am trying to look forward to a good week where I have blocked a lot of downtime um, you know, maybe we'll be lucky enough that we can actually take our caravan somewhere and be out in the open for once. And yeah, that is something that I'm really looking forward to and really counting down to. Um, and I think it is because we're so fatigued by the constant roller coaster of waiting for the numbers every morning and watching the news and looking at who's angry about what today. And it's just when you're trying to keep involved and informed about an ongoing thing like this pandemic and double checking that none of the restrictions have changed or any of those sorts of things, then you can't help but also be exposed to that level of fury and frustration and anger and it really does bring you down. I had a really hard day on Wednesday uh, and I was lucky enough that I was mostly supervising study sessions for my students, but I said to them, I'm ready to flip tables, guys. I'm ready to have a big old tantrum about the fact that I just want my life back. I just want to be able to get in my car and go shopping whenever I want and to be able to go to work uh, and to be able to see my mum and dad and all those sorts of things. So I think that community frustration is really high and I think that's so understandable. And I had to actively do things to improve my mood on Wednesday and Thursday. So um, some of the things that I actively did was I pulled out a jigsaw puzzle and I started to do something that wasn't in front of a screen, I wasn't getting notifications from, but was still using my brain in what's going to feel like a reasonably productive way because there's a thing that I complete at the end of it, like a task to do. I ended up doing a lot of meetings this week, a lot of political meetings. Um, and that was nice to at least have a distraction and something to do that didn't involve any of those things. So I kept myself busy. I got my exercise bike cleaned up and in our bedroom. So I used it to catch up on some episodes of The Bachelor, which I found very entertaining and very problematic for reasons I'll talk about later in this episode. And yeah, I also made sure that I had a nap every afternoon where I just put myself to bed and if I slept, great. If I didn't, fine too. But just giving myself an hour to an hour and a half of rest every day really has helped my, not only my mental health, but also my physical health. My uh, facial numbness and paralysis is still around. If you've been following me on Instagram, I had an episode a few weeks ago and I, I had a hospital visit and a few other things. Yeah, making sure that I'm well rested has helped. So make sure that if you are also feeling that uh, frustration and that anger and it's impacting your mood uh, or your productivity, that you really do take some time uh, to be kind to yourself uh, and do things that are going to make you feel more productive and more resilient and able to persevere through some of those things. On a lighter but similar note, I want to talk about the way headlines are dealing with some things this week. 
Certainly, a lot of the headlines around Corona are very angry and frustrated and are looking at criticising governments around aged care facilities and outbreaks and mishandlings and all those sorts of things. But something different happened this week uh, and the headlines were equally as, I suppose, extreme and uh, hyperbolic. And that is that Cardi B and Megan The Stallion uh, released a song which they're referring to as WAP, W-A-P. That is an acronym uh, for a, a phrase that will definitely make uh, me blush somewhat. Um, I don't consider myself particularly prudish, but even uh, this concept of uh, such sex positivity broadly makes me extraordinarily happy, but only because I generally don't have to say those words. Um, and even YouTube was uncomfortable about it and uh, made them change the last word in that acronym, uh, which I find kind of hilarious. One, that they did it, and two, that like, yeah, given the whole process of the film clip and a few other things. So two sets of headlines were really interesting to me. Most of the time, what headlines talked about was how Megan The Stallion and Cardi B were shocking audiences. And I used like some bunny ears around shocked, that audiences were shocked. And again, I get that sort of image of um, frightened or like clutching at pearls or a few other sort of those sorts of things around the fact that two women would release a song uh, that was about the way that their body functions during sex and that that was controversial when men have been singing about not only how their bodies function but how women's bodies function in sex, in songs, particularly in hip-hop music, for such a long time. And it's a very explicit song. It's very detailed and graphic, but it's also very catchy. And it is designed not to be gratuitous or gross. It's to celebrate the fact that women enjoy sex and that the pleasure of women during sex should be a a goal as well. It shouldn't just be something that might happen. It should be something that actually does happen. And here are the things that, that, you know, demonstrate that that has occurred. So it is a really interesting piece of artwork. That's something when that when we boil it down is just about female pleasure, that it's a shock, that it's shocking to the community that women would talk about it out loud or that women would request that out loud uh, or that mainstream music would feature a song that so deliberately brings that to light. Uh, and I find that really interesting in 2020 particularly when we've allowed men to sing songs like that for such a long time, whether that be more implicitly or explicitly. Yeah, I think that that's really a bizarre set of headlines to run with. I suppose one of the funniest takes uh, on this particular film clip is that of Ben Shapiro from the US, who is a conservative commentator, quite a young human, uh, who obviously was quite outraged at the lyrics and said that they were vulgar uh, and that they were sort of inappropriate, etc. And also on Twitter seemed to be confused by the metaphor being used in the film clip of needing a mop and a bucket because she was so aroused and seemed quite confused that that could happen to any woman and, and suggested that women uh, who might get that way might seek medical assistance or medical care rather. 
Uh, and look, certainly, certainly he was using hyperbole, right? He was definitely exaggerating that particular point in order to make reference to the fact that it was an inappropriate comment. Uh, but of course, Twitter took that to mean that he had never managed to arouse his wife in such a way uh, and that she had never actually uh, finished uh, in a sexual relationship between the two of them, which is kind of hilarious. And so cue many memes that compared the 90s song uh, Sandstorm, also many beautiful artworks of people in the desert or very arid uh, environments, etc., that also compared those places uh, to Ben Chihiro's wife, uh, which is not very nice, but still a little bit funny. And hopefully uh, she might explain to him in a, a private conversation about just how important uh, that aspect of their uh, sexual relationship is. And perhaps he might try a little bit harder. And then the second set of headlines about WAP that kind of got my attention was that Carol Baskin of uh, Tiger King fame was utterly horrified that that film clip used big cats in it. Uh, and given that the P in that acronym stands for pussy, I suppose I'm not very surprised that there are some kind of feline metaphor in the film clip. But I can certainly understand that animals are not actually for human entertainment, that they're, you know, entities with thoughts and feelings and and that perhaps it was a bad decision and an unnecessary decision because the women in that film clip look amazing and definitely don't need large cats next to them in order to do it. But yeah, they were the two takes that uh, the world was shocked by such pod sex positivity from two women and that in 2020, uh, we were shocked that they would use large cats as part of the decor of that particular film clip. So an interesting week for feminism in that respect, that it's shocking that women would claim sex pleasure and also that women would still use large cats as a metaphor for their genitalia in a public space such as their film clip. I'll put a link to the film clip in the show notes, but I will tell you that it is not safe for work. Uh, but I feel like most people are working from home right now, so it's probably fine. Uh, it has some interesting cameos from Kylie Jenner uh, and Nomani and a few other people, uh, and they all look amazing. But given that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are both women of colour, the inclusion of Kylie Jenner is understandably confusing. Yeah, Kylie has been accused of the term blackfishing, so appropriating culture for her own popularity. And so to feature her in uh, an iconic step like this is either deliberately controversial, which is, you know, an excellent marketing move, or a misstep. So I guess it doesn't really matter which one of those things is because it continues to add to the reasons that people are talking about the song. But broadly, um, I think that I'm going to respect the choices of the artists and if Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion wanted to include Kylie, then it's not for me to question why she would be included if that's what they wanted. It's a really wonderful piece of feminist art and I hope that it's one that we'll celebrate rather than cancel uh, in terms of what we can and can't say and who we can and can't listen to and those sorts of things. So highly recommend watching it in the privacy of your home and perhaps away from small questioning uh, mouths that might make you and them uncomfortable. 
what we see is that conservative men particularly are quite horrified about this particular film clip uh, and that women would take such an aggressive front. And that uh, idea about uh, taking the front foot and being aggressive, again, is classic toxic masculinity. Uh, Masculinity itself is not toxic. We know this. But we know that when men feel threatened by women uh, doing the same thing that they've been doing for years and years and years, that it can have toxic outcomes, not only on women, but on men as well. Certainly, if conservative men make other men feel uncomfortable about female sexual positivity, then it shuts down conversations in regular relationships. It makes men feel like that they, they don't need to have that conversation or they don't want to have that conversation with their partners. Uh, and so it breeds resentment effect. What we also find is that then when women are forward or put themselves in a position where they might be in charge in one way or another, they are, of course, called bossy. And Joe and I went over this last week in our debrief of women and leadership, which is a great episode. You should go and listen to it if you haven't. But this concept of busy, bossy, aggressive women brings me to uh, what was probably the highlight of my ISO week, and that is, of course, the return of The Bachelor. I will say that I don't watch a lot of reality television, but I am a sucker for The Bachelor franchise. Um, I am just fascinated by the way producers pit contestants against each other. The fictional narrative around them is really intriguing to me. Um, And I think that the way that they portray both men and women is horrendous. And broadly, whenever I watch one of those television shows, I come away feeling just a tiny bit smug about my own life. And I've never been one to shy away from smugness. So uh, this week we had the start of The Bachelor, which is problematic in its in its own right. Uh, at the end of the day, The Bachelor is currently a man named Lockie, uh, who is a previous contestant on Australian Survivor. And when he was on Australian Survivor, he actually sort of coupled up with a young lady on that show and they were dating for a time until suddenly they weren't and she found out that he was to be the next Bachelor. Uh, But she's quite open about the fact that uh, they were in a relationship and that she didn't really get a lot of notice uh, that he wasn't intending to stay in that relationship uh, to the point where they apparently had, you know, flight tickets to go to Bali together, etc. First and foremost, that makes me very suspicious of our bachelor. But broadly, you know, he is the tall, dark, handsome, facial hair type that I would normally go for. So it's not a terrible thing to look at uh, while watching and uh, making some social commentary. Of course, with The Bachelor, then comes all of his uh, lady friends in the lady mansion. And this season has not disappointed in that it is mostly white women. Uh, There is one token woman of colour. And of course, she has gotten the villain edit which is highly disappointing, but it's so problematic for a variety of ways. Uh, This girl is 25. Uh, Her name is Ariba. She's stunning. And she describes herself as uh, someone who is the boss. She is in charge. She likes to make decisions. Uh, She likes to be in control. She's very independent. And those are all skills that I think sound fantastic. 
you know, you often hear complain, men complain about the fact that girls are too clingy and they just want to, you know, do things with them all the time and they want to hear back too quickly and all those sorts of things. And Ariba seems like the kind of girl who has her own life going on and that if, you know, Lockie needed to go back to Bali to deal with his business and things like that, that she would be completely okay with that and not at all clingy. But of course, she's not described as independent. She's not described as forthright. She's not described as a successful uh, in woman in the finance industry. She's uh, declared bossy. And then when she gets her name and her caption along the bottom, it says Ariba 25 and it says home loan officer. And I just can't help but think that if she's described herself as the boss at work, that perhaps that's not actually her title. Perhaps she's a team leader. Perhaps she is in a management role. I can't help but feel like that they have given her home loan officer. And while she probably works in finance and she works in home loans, um, she might be a mortgage broker, something like that, that they have downed her title to play up this concept that she's not really the boss and it's all a bit of a figment of her imagination and that she's exaggerating that sort of thing, which I find thoroughly disappointing and completely predictable. I think that next week we might run a whole episode about the villainization of women in the media and the impact that that has. But broadly, I was pretty disappointed to see that on The Bachelor. The other weirdly problematic uh, thing that happened on The Bachelor this week, that not only do they only have one token uh, woman of colour, they also have one token redhead. And as you would know, redheads are my people. We have, you know, band together to celebrate our ease of sunburn and our addiction to being inside. At some stage of this week, I will try and remember to put up a photo of myself wearing a long cardigan in the desert in Oman. My best friend is, of course, wearing shorts and a t-shirt and I am wearing shorts and a very long cardigan. Uh, because it's quite possible I was going to get both cold and sunburnt at the same time. So, yeah, I had a long cardigan on. Redheads tend to stick together. However, as this storyline continued, it just got progressively more ridiculous. And to be honest with you, I think it might have gotten slightly more ridiculous the more champagne they allowed Zoe Claire to drink. By the end, even in the little talking head section where you hear one of the producers ask the contestant their thoughts, you can hear the absolute confusion in the producer's voice as she asks uh, Zoe Claire if she really thinks Ariba is targeting her because she has red hair. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have had my fair share of digs about my red hair, having no friends, being called bluey, uh, being called phantom pants, all those ridiculous things. That is real life as a redhead. Uh, for the most part, it's all in good fun and most people don't actually think that I'm an alien of any sort. Certainly, it doesn't impact my ability to get jobs. People don't follow me around shops thinking that I'm going to steal something. They don't pretend that they can't understand me. Uh, when they ask me where I'm from and they say Melbourne, they don't say, yeah, but where are you really from? Like, I'm certainly different in the way that I look to most other people, but I don't receive any backlash for that. I'm quite privileged uh, to look the way that I do and to still have all of the faith and trust and privilege that society provides cis white people. So I could not understand how they could possibly have allowed that narrative to run. 
Uh, certainly, Zoe Claire said it a lot of times, and I have no doubt that there was a lot of footage of her claiming discrimination as a redhead, and not only that, but also claiming to be discriminated against by the only woman of colour in the entire mansion, including the waiting staff, from what I could see. And so, again, lots and lots of footage, no doubt. Did they have to use it? Did they have to set up a storyline where a white person was accusing a person of colour of racism or discrimination? Like, did that really need to be a storyline that they ran? Uh, Certainly it got people talking and certainly uh, it got me watching episode two because they had their little photo shoot together um, and they obviously you know, don't get along horrendously because there were multiple scenes with them chatting in it in the following episode. But yeah, I just find it quite problematic that they decided that they would run that storyline uh, after, you know, pitting them both of as a little bit crazy and a little bit possessive and all of those sorts of things. Uh, and yeah, I'm feeling pretty disappointed in the production. Uh, but again, totally predictable and probably half the reason that I watch it so that I can come on here and point out all of those horrendous social expectations and social missteps so that we can all be a little bit more aware of the things that we do. Having said that, I can't possibly imagine a time where you guys would actually put yourself in a position where you would claim someone was discriminating against you as a white person because of your hair colour, particularly not another person of colour. I just find that a little bit ridiculous. Do you think that the villainization of women on reality TV shows has an impact on the way women are allowed to operate in the world? Obviously, reality television is a phenomenon in the last 25 years, but certainly it has uh, helped and hindered and done a whole heap of things for women uh, around the place, for women uh, working for themselves and being independent and really probably is the beginning of that influencer culture, which again, as I've said on this uh, podcast, is considered frivolous and pointless by a patriarchal society who just doesn't find that men are as successful as women are at the influencer game. So do you think that the villainization of women uh, has a detrimental impact on society, particularly in reality television? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that prior to next week's episode. You can email me those thoughts at thiscrownisonfire at gmail.com or you could jump on our website, thiscrownisonfire.com, and contact us that way. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, we're also getting a new newsletter together, and I think that what we might do is put together a newsletter, which I'm going to call Bright Fires, uh, and I'm going to try and collate some reasonably happy news from the week or the fortnight, depending on how my timeline goes so that our news feeds and our inboxes are not just full of doom and gloom. So bright, happy fires, recommendations and other good tidbits uh, will be the focus of our newsletter. As always, uh, it will work towards amplifying women's voices, particularly real women in our communities uh, that we can relate to and learn from. In other housekeeping news, Joe and I are gearing up to do another book debrief. Uh, September's book is 
Women Don't Owe You Pretty by the formidable Florence Given. If you would like to listen uh, to Florence before reading that book, I highly recommend her chat with Clem Ford. I'll link that in my show notes. Speaking of Clem Ford, one of my first recommendations is going to be her feature on the Nasty Woman's Club, which is such a great podcast. Again, highly, highly recommend that one. Don't forget to rate, review, follow, subscribe, whatever it is that your favorite podcast app allows you to do. It really does get the uh, podcast out and about. And I would really love it if you could take a screenshot of where you are listening from. Are you listening to us on your state-sanctioned one hour of exercise within five kilometers of your house, Melbourneites? Uh, If you're in another state, uh, show me the beautiful place that you're allowed to travel for exercise. Uh, Or are you cleaning your house or catching up on uh, other bits and pieces? I would love to see what you're doing while you listen. Uh, I will try and be a bit more active on Instagram this week. Um, I am uh, excited to feel a bit more on top of things this week and hopefully uh, my emotions won't get the better of me too much. And fingers crossed for me uh, that my appointment on Monday gets me in the right direction and I can start using my whole mouth to uh, pronounce all the words from uh, next week on. I don't quite think it'll be that fast, but we can hope, right? We can hope. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode where I have debriefed some of the news items of the week. It's been quite an interesting week broadly. I'm excited that we are now officially halfway through the term and it is all downhill from here. I'm really looking forward to taking some time off in September. So uh, have a fantastic week. Stay inside, wear your mask, stay safe, stay healthy, and I will hear you next week.